Good morning, uh, good afternoon. Let me welcome you to the Forum 2000 online debate. Uh, my name is Kateřina Procházková and I'm moderator of today's debate. Um, in, in recent months, in, in some cases, I would say uh, years, we have seen more and more uh, BRC hostile and aggressive actions in Hong Kong, uh, in Xinjiang and in the Western world as well. Beijing has been willing to break promises, uh, agreements, and, and ignore human rights and, and laws. For example, in Hong Kong, the, the students' demonstrations were suppressed. The state security law was implemented uh, last summer. And now uh, the Hong Kong government has implemented changes to the city's electoral system. To discuss what this shows and what the consequences might be, I'm going to talk with Professor Xiao Chang. American journalist, professor at the University of California, Berkeley, and also the founder and editor-in-chief of a news website uh, called China Digital Times. Professor Xiao Chang, welcome. Thank you, Karina. Um, so let's start with Hong Kong. What, what have been the recent developments in Hong Kong? Can you tell us about the situation there as, as you watch it unfold and, and cover it for China Digital Times, please? Yes, um, what the, deter the, the deterioration of human rights and the rule of law in Hong Kong uh, in the past year has been astounding. Uh, Chinese government essentially uh, take over Hong Kong by breaking the uh, promise of the one country, two system including its legal system, including its entire election process, the legislative process, um, and starting to not only politically, but using the legal apparatus to suppress dissent, oppositional voices. Uh, and this new development is not entirely new. It has been developing over the decades, uh, especially in the past 15 years. But the, uh, since the coronavirus breaking out, um, in the entire world in the status of crisis uh, for some reason that uh, Chinese state seized this moment to advance uh, in a large scale of the political crackdown and control over the Hong Kong people and uh, at the expense of Hong Kong people's basic freedom and the rule of law and the uh, promise of one country system altogether. Um, I also want to say this kind of aggressive uh, behavior and, and suppressing democracy and human rights, uh, Hong Kong is the one very, very vivid example of it and disregard international uh, promises, treaties, or the international community's concern is a new pattern of the uh, People's Republic of China. It is a new normal under President Xi Jinping or the uh, Secretary, General, uh, Secretary General of the Communist Party, Xi Jinping's uh, dictatorship. The reason behind of it, at least one of them uh, from my research and perspective is the fact that Chinese government recent years has built a most advanced digital technology for its domestic censorship and surveillance, and also become a sort of influential uh, force uh, 
in the world for the global authoritarianism. Um, and with that as a sort of background, uh, the Chinese Communist Party become bolder and bolder, yeah, uh, to not only domestically becoming more repressive, including step over Hong Kong, uh, including the treaties and everything. Um, also internationally become more and more aggressive, imperialistic and uh, reckless, I would say. Thank you. When you mention uh, the digital Leninism, your specialization is uh, CCP propaganda and artificial intelligence uh, empowered state surveillance mechanism in, in China. So how are these two propaganda and digital uh, Leninism important for the Chinese communist regime? You just mentioned it in, in Hong Kong, but how are they how are they used in, 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 in PRC? Yeah. Um, I have been engaging with a Chinese digital space, uh, freedom expression, independent journalism, uh, civic activism uh, in, in the past two decades. Uh, I have witnessed that at the beginning of the digital, uh, new generation of digital communication technologies introduced into China, that uh, it generated a new hope in the Chinese civil society that I think this new technology will bring a greater freedom of expression, greater uh, connectivity between the citizens and in their auto autonomous actions, and ultimately will erode the authoritarian regime uh, and to transform Chinese society to a democratic uh, uh, regime. Uh, that hope was, uh, was embedded in the social and political development in China throughout late 90s and early 2000s. But the Chinese Communist Party caught up by their control. They uh, uh, instill, uh, shaped its legal system uh, uh, to, uh, for its control and censorship. They uh, blustered uh, its censorship apparatus, make sure the information considered uh, detrimental to the regime does not reach to the citizens. Um, they expanded vast sum of money to prop up Chinese companies to develop the surveillance technologies, those products which enable the authoritarian government model and fostering the mass surveillance uh, in every corner of society from the um, so-called social credit system score or uh, the uh, sort of video surveillance, they call Skynet project, Sharp Eyes project, which putting a video surveillance systems everywhere, every public place, every even village uh, town in, in China. Uh, not even to mention in Xinjiang, uh, when there's a uh, Uyghurs has this uh, uh, sort of large unsettling uh, uh, conflict uh, for their autonomy that uh, Chinese government completely turned that place into a sort of technology dystopian uh, monitoring everybody, every action, particularly for the Uyghurs on their ethnic uh, identity. Uh, this technology boosted authoritarianism is really a new thing uh, because the emerging technology, for example, uh, even just mobile phones itself, right? Uh, it gains uh, the call logs, uh, it, it has users precisely 
various locations. It has your contacts, has your photos and other informations of the users. Any country, that's a privacy concern. Uh, there is a vigorous debate uh, and, and a battle between protect users' privacy and the company's you know, interest to generate profit. But in China, those companies are directly either belong to the state, owned by the state, or directly working with state with no difference. So the state has, can, using those technologies and gathering those citizen data um, to directly use it, not just for companies' profit-generating purpose, but for state political and social control manipulation purpose. And this powerful shift makes the Chinese government much bolder than before. They feel safer at home for their authoritarian regime, and they feel have certain comparative uh, uh, advantage that to export that model to the rest of the world. And that really generate a threat to a democracy and people's freedom around the globe today. Very interesting when, you are, when we are talking about the high tech, uh, because China was, uh, the Western companies also help China a lot. China's foreign technology acquisition activity has helped the, the rapid or enormous rise of the PRC into the superpower. And investment into the, the world technology cooperation and also the involvement of uh, Chinese students, I would say nationalistic Chinese students, have played quite important role. So could you tell us more about this? Uh, do you see there a correlation? Uh, there is, certainly. I mean, China, the, the whole fact that China has uh, gained this economic growth since in the past four decades was starting from the benefit of the globalization and attracting the foreign companies and, and investment and then ultimately the technologies uh, uh, to China. And that was a, a natural part we, in China at the beginning being embraced in a very positively is a, a open door uh, policy. Um, but once it's developed, uh, it's not that simple that because the political regime uh, does not want to change. Not only does it want to change, it using its authoritarian uh, system to turn China into a essentially a cheap labor uh, place. There's no labor movement. There's a lack of environmental uh, uh, regulation. It only attract those global capitalists who are in favor of this low cost production um, to produce this, this new system. But where else generally that wealth coming uh, to? For China, mostly went to the state, not to the people. Not those workers working for the minimum, minimum uh, uh, salaries in Guangdong, Shenzhen, or anywhere uh, the, in China without labor protection, uh, uh, with, without environmental regulation, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but the Chinese state becoming much wealthier. Uh, and, and using that, they further suppress the society and deprive people's freedom and to make sure they are the good work productive force, but nothing else. Yeah, not their political rights, not their individual freedom. Uh, uh, um, then they use this gained advantage uh, to develop, attract the firm uh, uh, investment and technology and develop this, uh, its own technical infrastructure which um, further enhanced its, its advantage, right, both politically and economically, and now becoming internationally. For example, like uh, the artificial intelligence. 
Um, that is a cutting edge technology uh, uh, in a, this, this decade and, and the coming, uh, uh, in the coming decade. But China not only have its own uh, sort of massive uh, corporate companies and user bases, but it has a centralized state planning investment, which uh, no other countries has been putting that much into. It has a massive data because uh, the user bases, uh, there's no other uh, countries actually can compete. Finally, the most importantly, there's no privacy concerns whatsoever. Yeah, and that put the, uh, so, so the Chinese government or, or the authoritarian regime into a natural advantage over the uh, democratic societies, which has much more restrict privacy uh, laws uh, and much more uh, decentralized uh, 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 storage data. Uh, but China doesn't have it. That turns into a authoritarian regime's advantage. Um, and in return, this digital authoritarianism uh, or this particular brand of Chinese digital authoritarianism becoming stronger and bolder and uh, becoming a bigger threat uh, to the rest of the world. Thank you. When you were mentioning that as the state planning uh, system, uh, we from a Czech Republic for ex-communist country, we can remember these things, but of course not in, a, in this uh, scale that was happening now in China. Uh, I mentioned Czech Republic, so let me ask one question uh, covering the Czech Republic a bit. Recently, the, the Czech media and the Czech audience have been paying a lot of attention to the Russian activities in the Czech Republic. So would you able to tell me or tell us more about the PRC, China and Russia cooperation, especially in tech or media field that is your specialization? Uh, well, yes, uh, uh, this is really a, uh, um, I'll say the worrying trend, um, which is PRC's expansion to the uh, uh, rest of the world, including in Europe, including in Central East Europe, um, is backed by this um, sort of heavy state controlled and manipulated uh, strategy um, for the PRC's uh, interest, not only just economic profits, again, it's not a normal trade. The political influence uh, and uh, even the uh, digital domains, the technology, media domain, information domains, penetration and influence uh, is totally part of China's global expansion, right? So Chinese government understand the uh, importance of in this technology domain, the information domain, both in the domestic political stability and economic political uh, uh, rise, but it's also leading now uh, or competing with United States particularly, but also in many uh, parts of Europe, that the globe to shaping the future of those digital infrastructure and information space. Um, this to me uh, is really a great contest, if you want to call it, uh, between autocracy and democracy yeah. uh, in 21st century or in digital information connected age. Um, what happened in Czechoslovakia, uh, those Chinese uh, corporations advances interest and the political influence into Czech society uh, is a one of the uh, sort of most explicit example yeah, of this epic battle. Um, and we cannot uh, uh, 
how to say this? Uh, uh, um, we cannot underestimate, yeah, the significance uh, of this uh, this event itself, uh, this every particular battle itself, um, because uh, uh, this is really uh, what a most pressing call of our time uh, for everyone who uh, loves freedom and democracy in the world. Thank you for it. And I have one more question concerning Czech Republic. Uh, I would say my next question is also overlaps with the Czech, uh, Czech case. Uh, the Chinese company CFC uh, and their activities in the Czech Republic, uh, the current uh, nominee uh, for the position of the Czech Minister of Foreign Affairs is Mr. Kulhanek, a former employee of, of CFC. I know that China Digital Times uh, also covered the whole CFC story with this debacle with the conviction of Patrick Ho, head, head of one of the branches of the CFC. So how would you describe CFC and their activities in, in the United States and also abroad? Well, um, put it in, in a very um, sort of shorter version of it, um, um, that's... Um, this this incident is uh, well, or this event I- itself, uh, and a Chinese company, uh, CFC, is um, part of the not only well, sometimes even in disguise of a business agenda, is a political and geo uh, strategic agenda behind it. Uh, in the Chinese political system, there is actually a, a name. There is an organization, party organization called United Front. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and there are names for pushing those companies for their political mission behind of their business mission. There's a special term uh, of it. Um, this is a difference between uh, the Chinese Communist Party runs authoritarian regime uh, than the normal uh, democratic uh, uh, rule of law society. This untransparency of uh, uh, this political decision and, uh, and state uh, control behind of many of those business activities, investment activities, technology transfer activities, uh, is really putting the uh, open society, including Czech uh, uh, Republic, uh, into a vulnerable place. Um, because the authoritarian regime like China will explore the, those openness and the rule of law and freedom of information and, and yeah, uh, in those countries to advance its political strategic influences in the name of uh, uh, business activities. Um, that we just have to see that's the reality uh, um, and to recognize what it is and coming out to respond using the uh, democratic society system, transparency, uh, uh, um, you know, democratic consensus uh, debate is somehow into our um, strengths. Yeah, and defend the strengths against being exploited uh, by the authoritarian regime like Chinese government. Thank you. That also means that we should be careful to have these people into our government. That's absolutely true. That's absolutely true because the political influence doesn't mean uh, 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 it, it means many things. Particularly means uh, the political and, and, and informational influence in your own society of your own political uh, uh, economic arena. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, 
I think our time is quite running, so we have time for last question. I would like to ask about uh, the international audience. Are Western democracies finally taking a more active approach to these problems and to China as well? And, and could you please maybe compare the U.S. approach as a U.S. citizen uh, with the European one? Well, um, I am a U.S. citizen and, and, and I live in the United States uh, for over 30 years. But I, I was born in China. I grew up in China. And uh, uh, to me, uh, to uh, looking at how China's development uh, changes and this new uh, rising digital authoritarian regime um, is a, um, uh, how to say this? I see that many people in the United States, not everybody, but many of them, Free to see this is China's becoming to challenge the U.S. dominant power. Uh, to see this is a, a, a context between a rising uh, 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 sort of economic power uh, uh, threatening the existing dominant power, which I see that's certainly a, a framework to look at it. But that's not mine. Uh, I look at it as a global citizen. I look at the a democratic value and freedom in every society, particularly in those uh, societies who already established those values, such as in Europe, uh, in uh, United States, and in many parts of the world. I see the rising Chinese digital authoritarianism as a threat to all of these values and those societies together. Yeah. If we call that as a fundamental uh, epic battle, yeah, a battle of freedom, uh, and, and democracy, it's global. Yeah. Europe is a origin of those enlightenment values and to see uh, systems to protect those human natures should be at the forefront and to protect those most precious values. It's not simply about a, a sort of hard power struggle. This is about the most fundamental and precious human values in every society uh, universally. And now we are under this threat of a rising digital authoritarian China. We should be a, a working together yeah, uh, to meet the challenge of our time. Professor Xiaoqiang, thank you for your time and, and knowledge that, that you shared with us. Uh, also, thank you, um, our viewers, for staying uh, online. And let's hope that uh, we will overcome the COVID-19 pandemic. We should talk about it as well, but maybe next time. And yes. we will have a chance to discuss all of this soon, I would say face-to-face, -face, maybe on Forum 2000 during the autumn. Thank you very much and goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye. Good to see you.